You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. Hey, I am joined on stage as we get into our message today. I'm joined on stage with the guys that I call the Three Amigos. <laughs> I love these guys. They have a Bible study. They've been doing a men's group for a while. If you're a man looking for a group, this might be a group you want to check into. But the reason I have them on stage is we started this series called Dangerous Prayers, and we had six teams write the devotions for this series. And this is one of the teams that wrote the devotion for today's prayer, Forgive Me. So I wanted them to share a little bit about it. Introduce yourselves, guys, because they probably want to know you more than three amigos, you know, uh, and share a little bit about what you've learned out of this whole study that you guys prepared. Go ahead. Good morning, and welcome to those watching online. My name is Jim Vestry. I currently serve in the care ministry. I'm also one of Journey's Grief Share facilitators. Uh, I've been with Journey for about 11 years now. The main takeaway for me while participating with this group and this study is that forgiveness is not an option. It's a process required because Christ forgave us. Hello, I'm Bruce Speller, a.k.a. Amigo number two. I served in uh, construction and uh, repairs. Uh, I'm in a men's group um, Wednesday morning in uh, Lathrop, and also uh, men, uh, yeah, I always forget that one. A mentoring, mentoring group on uh, Thursday morning in Tracy. Um, it was amazing to see the Holy Spirit lead the groups in the inspiration of this lesson. Seeking forgiveness exposes my failure. It requires um, humility. The more we forgive others, the more the, uh, feel, the more we feel forgiveness of the Lord. Absolutely. Yep. Hello, my name is John Stroll, and uh, I've been a member of Journey for almost two years now, and but I must say, because of the pandemic, I've only been able to attend services for about a year. I'm involved uh, serving and as a member of the mission team. Uh, I'm a small group leader, and I teach Sunday school. And I love your kids. <laughs> but most of all, uh, from the subject matter, that we attacked ourselves dangerous prayers. Forgive me. I learned a great deal by devoting myself in the Word and also studying on forgiveness. I was hesitant, I might mention that, about participating in this study. But the more Jim and Bruce and myself got involved, the more exciting it became. It, it changed us on the inside. It challenged us with dealing with forgiveness 
the way Jesus forgave us. We as humans cannot fully understand what happened at the cross, but our forgiveness of others can be patterned after the forgiveness of Jesus towards us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Would you give them a hand and thank them for writing this study? We're going to save our communion time for the end because of the prayer that we're praying today. Forgive me. And I'm going to have you turn in Psalm 51. That's where we're going to land today. But let me get us set up for this message out of Psalm 51 with uh, what is going on in this prayer that we're going to cover today. Uh, years ago in the Battle of Baghdad, Stephen Scheiderer was patrolling the streets. He served as an army medic as part of the force that was taking over Baghdad, trying to restore it to order. While he was walking in the streets, he got shot. A sniper down the road found him and was starting to shoot at their team and hit him smack in the middle of the chest. He flew back on his back. At the moment, he wondered if he was going to live through it, but fortunately, he was wearing an armor vest, and so that saved his life from the bullet. He gets back up and starts to move down the street. They're after the sniper that had shot them, found the sniper, and the team shot at him and was able to uh, injure him and stop the fighting. So here's the army medic approaching the man who had actually shot him. He said, a lot of emotions went through my brain as I looked at this guy who was injured and needed medical care. I thought, nobody's around. I could beat the tar out of him, he said, because of what he did to me. I could, I could just ignore him and let him die of his injuries. I, I could do all kinds of things, but what I realized I needed to do was forgive him and treat his injuries. And so the man that had shot him became the face of the enemy in front of him that he ends up serving and helping him recover. The reason I use that story to begin this message on forgive me is because there is an enemy that you face every day. You look at it in the mirror. It's not a politician. Hate to tell you. It's not a virus or a medical condition. It's not a person that you're married to or live with. It's not a person that is down the street that you don't like. It's not even your boss and heaven help you. It's not even your pastor. He's not your enemy. Your pride is. And you're going to see that today in this incredible prayer that defeats our greatest enemy called pride. Now, the story that takes place, I want to tell you the story just briefly and then get to the prayer that is going to rock your world and change the way you perceive forgive me forever. But I want to tell you the story that sets up Psalm 51. It's a story you know pretty well. It's about a guy by the name of David. Everybody's heard of David. I'm assuming David and Goliath, incredible warrior, humble servant to Saul the king, player of musical instruments and a singer and a poet and certainly a military genius, served the kingdom of Israel for many years as a humble servant of God. But then as a king, eventually, surrounded by all that power, surrounded by all that authority, 
Pride entered his heart. And I'm just going to say this to you bluntly. It's true for you, true for me. When pride comes into your life, so does sin. The moment you let pride in, guaranteed you're going to see sin come out. And David allowed pride in. He was a military general. He was supposed to be out with the forces. But in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, he decided one day, you know what? I'm just tired. Maybe you've been there. I'm weary. I'm exhausted. I'm tired of going out and fighting all these battles. Let somebody else fight these battles. I'm the king. I get to hang out at home. Why don't I just take it easy, relax, enjoy my authority and do the things I want to do? And so he sent Joab and the army out to fight the battles while he stayed at his house. And you probably know this story. One night he couldn't sleep, goes up on his roof, looks out over his vast domain, sees Bathsheba on a housetop taking a bath. Enjoys what he sees. Pride in his heart. He sends an entourage to bring Bathsheba to himself and makes love to her. And she's discovered pregnant. So David did what pride does in all of our lives. He tried to hide it. Come on. Haven't you ever tried to hide something from your parents? Haven't you thought about trying to hide something from your boss, your spouse, your friends? David tried to work it out so that uh, Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, would come back and then make love to her so he could get out from under it. And it would look like Uriah had the child, but that didn't work out so well. So he sends a note back with Uriah in the hands of the man. He sends a note back to Joab to have Joab put him on the front line so he could die in battle. And then he brings Bathsheba to his side. They get married and eventually have a child. And he's thinking, I got away with it. I was able to hide it. See, here's the deal. Pride always tries to hide or justify what God knows needs forgiven. Pride always tries to hide or justify what you know you need forgiven for. And that's where I want to just pause for a second before we go into Psalm 51 and the rest of the story. I'm wondering if you can just have an honest moment right now. Take your red sheet that was given to you. Take 30 seconds right now, pens in front of you. At home, you can do this at home as well. Take a piece of paper and do this. What are you hoping God doesn't see right now? What are you trying to hide from people that would challenge you about it? What needs forgiven in your life from even this week? words have you said? What actions have you done? What things have you regretted? But you think maybe you got away with it. What is it you need forgiven for? I want you to write it on the sheet. Later on, I'm going to have you put it on our prayer wall as you leave. See, I don't want you to miss that point because it says at the end of 2 Samuel 11, the thing David did displeased the Lord. You think you're hiding it from God, but most of you can attest to this. Eventually, it comes out. 
Eventually the thing you thought you're getting away with will gnaw at you to the point that you will never be able to do your life well until it's exposed and dealt with. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. And the more you try to run from God, the more he chases you down. Can I get an amen on that? You've been there before. It displeased God, so God sent Nathan to have a conversation with David, 2 Samuel 12. You can read it later. Nathan shares a story with David that gets his emotions all riled up, and he is really angry about the man in the story until Nathan turns and says, uh, David, you're that man. And instantly David says something that is the prayer we're going to talk about today. 2 Samuel 12, verse 13, he says, I have sinned against the Lord. Forgive me. My pride has gotten the best of me. Now, Psalm 51 is the explanation of that sentence. Psalm 51 is a description of what forgive me looks like that he wrote as a part of this whole experience. When you read Psalm 51, it should challenge you about what you're asking for when you ask God or anyone else for forgiveness. And I'm going to break it down with you looking at these verses today, starting in Psalm 51, verse 1. Follow along with me, and you're going to see what, what David was praying when he prayed, forgive me. Here's what it says first. Verse, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know, I know my transgressions. And my sin is always before me. And then he says, against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. What he's saying is, it doesn't matter what the world says is okay. It doesn't matter what I can get away with. It doesn't even matter what seems hidden to everybody else. It's exposed to you and you know it's sin. See, the world can write any law it wants, but it's still sin to him. So you're right in this verdict and justified when you judge me. See, the first thing David did when he was asking for forgiveness was he confessed it. <laughs> he confessed it. He turned to God. He didn't hide it. He didn't, didn't keep it hidden any longer. didn't justify his actions. He just turned to God and said, I screwed up. I messed up. Against you, you only, have I sinned. I mean, come on, let's just face it. It's kind of hard to confess. Okay. Would you agree? Amen. Say amen if you find it hard to confess. Amen. Okay, I'm not alone in this. Do you realize that not only is it hard for you as an individual, there are cultures built around this whole issue of confession. Some cultures do it more practically and authentically all the time. Other cultures hold it back. In America, we don't teach people to confess, but we do teach them to say, I'm sorry. Come on. Haven't you seen, maybe you were a kid when your mom or dad would say, you know, tell your brother or sister to say you're sorry. And you would turn around and say, I'm sorry. <laughs> say the words, no change of heart. 
The Jewish nation was used to confessing. They understood it well. They still understand it well. When they sin, they actually confess what they did to a person. In fact, just a parental lesson here. Don't teach your kids to say they're sorry. Teach them to confess what they did wrong to each other. And that will restore the relationship. In China, they can't stand to confess. Their culture's not built around it. I was reading about a business that exists in China. It's making a ton of money right now. It's the Taijin Apology and Gift Center. Their motto for the company is, we'll say sorry for you. You pay money to this company, they will write the apology, deliver a gift, make amends for you so that you don't have to do it yourself. You just spend the money and the apology will be taken care of. They're making a ton of money. Can we just be honest here a little bit? I mean, what David did was amazing. Because I'll tell you, for myself, maybe for you too, confession is hard. It feels dangerous. But it's more dangerous not to confess. So David confesses to the Lord, I've screwed up. Maybe on your red sheet of paper today, you have a confession to make. Not to me, not to the world but to the Lord. God, I screwed up. David goes on. That's not the end of the prayer. That's, see, if that's what we think forgiveness is, we'd go and make forgiveness a license. Oh, I confess it. I get off the hook. I can go do it again. That is not what David prays. Look what he says in verse seven. Cleanse me with hyssop, God, and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face. Don't hide me anymore. I don't want to be hidden anymore. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all your my iniquity. And then he says the verse that you know very well. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain. You know what he's asking for here? Not just to be forgiven for the sin, but to address the sin. I can't just confess it. I got to address it. Repentance is not just saying you're sorry. Repentance is doing something to change. And God loves you enough that he wants that sin removed from your life. And that's why David prays, <laughs> cleanse me with hyssop. Wash me. Create in me a clean heart. That song you just sang. I brought my little object lesson from last week. You, you guys remember the object lesson from last week? My clay from a, from a bank or a little uh, irrigation thing. Oh, I need, I need another bowl. Diane, I need another bowl. Can you grab a bowl out of the, out of the uh, kitchen for me? This was our clay from last week. God did something. When you pray the potter's prayer, he does something pretty miraculous. He takes you out of the muck of life, takes you away from all that is wrong, all that is sinful, all that is deadly, and he takes you and puts you in your hands, in his hands. 
We, we sang this chorus last time. I took the I surrender all and changed it. Do you remember? I surrender all. Sing it with me if you know it. I surrender all. You're the potter, I'm the clay. I surrender all. But God's not done there. He doesn't want it to leave you this way. He wants to not just have you confess your sin. Thank you, dear. Thank you, dear. <laughs> he wants to address your sin. See, this is what it means to be a Christian. That God is not done with you yet. That he, <laughs> this is the thing, when you confess your sin, it's not like God was uh, ignorant of it. It's not like you hid it before. He wants to take what's and address the dirt and the rocks and the mess that's surrounding all the good in your life. And he wants to just wash it clean. This is what's called amending or forgiving the, the clay. You take the clay that you take as raw and you keep working it and washing it until all the dirt washes off and what's left behind is supposed to be the white clay of your life. Just like me, he's still got some more work to do. See, maybe you're in that season right now where God's trying to address it with you. Maybe he's working your life to kind of get all that junk out. You know what I find interesting, and I'm just going to say this, especially given this week and this election and all the things we're dealing with these days. Can I just say this? I wish Christians and I wish the world would care more about their purity than they do about their problems. I wish I did. It's so easy to blame everybody else for our problems and not realize this is the real problem. I need to be purified. I need to be cleansed. I need God to help me address it. David says, cleanse me with hyssop. That's a, that's a fragrant uh, flower that they would use to bring about the cleansing smell and even the washing of clay and of other objects and other human beings. They would put it in baths to cleanse them. Cleanse me, wash me. Create in me. Address it. We'll talk about this more next week. Can I suggest to you that maybe the reason you can't seem to get rid of that sin habit in your life is because you're not willing to address it. You're not ready to turn it over. You still want to hold on to it out of your own pain or hurt. which leads to the last part of the prayer. Listen to what David says is the last part of this forgive me prayer. Verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Incredible. 
He says, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, that you who are God, my Savior, my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. Just pause. I know Monty wanted me to say this. How dare we be silent about our forgiveness when God has given it to us? How dare we hold back our praise when he has washed us clean? We have something to shout about. That's why we worship. He says, you don't delight in sacrifice. You're not looking for me to just give. And you're not looking for me to just serve. You want something more from me. Listen to what he says. And I will bring it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will never despise. What he's saying is this. It's not enough to just receive forgiveness. It's not even enough to just let accept the change and repent in my life. I need to share it with others. I need to profess it. I need to tell somebody else they're forgiven. I need to pass on the forgiveness to somebody else. And I'm not sure I like this part of the prayer. Can I be just transparent with you? There's people in my life I'm not ready to forgive. But if I don't forgive them, then how can Jesus do his work in forgiving me? Remember, Jesus said it really clearly in his Lord's Prayer. Forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. You know the prayer. Worse, if you don't like it, you won't like what Jesus said later. As you have forgiven others, so will you be forgiven. And I'll just say it. Isn't it sad that the world looks at the kingdom of God and at the church and sees judgment, not forgiveness? Shouldn't, shouldn't the church be the place you find the most forgiveness at? That doesn't remove from me the responsibility to educate and teach on the, on the deadliness of sin. But it does require all of us to remember that you got a plank in your eye when you're looking at the speck in somebody else's. The message the world needs is not that they're fallen short. They already know that. The message the world needs is that there is a Savior who has paid the price to forgive them. And the beauty of the Christian faith is this. It's already paid for. It's already been bought for you. You don't have to go buy an apology from a company. He's already paid the price on the cross for you. You have forgiveness, so give it away to other people. And that's my challenging part of this prayer. That's what makes this prayer so dangerous is, come on, who in your life do you still hurt from? Who in your life do you still feel pain towards? I'm not talking about forth giving. I'm not telling you you have to trust him again. I'm talking about forgiving, letting go of the past, walking away from it, letting God take care of the justice, and you move on. 
forgiven and forgiving. See, that's our call as believers. When I was a kid, we used to play this game. We had in our street, my mom still lives there. On our street, there was 20 to 30 kids that grew up together. We all had big yards. They were about an acre big. No fences around the yards like here. So we would use all of the backyards for our fun games, baseball games, football, whatever. We used to play this game. See, if you, maybe you've played it before called hide and seek. Hide and seek with about 30, yard, 30 kids on you know, four or five yards. They'd be running and hiding all over the place around this neighborhood. And when the seeker would get tired of looking, they would cry out this phrase that always confused me. Maybe you've heard it before. Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. Anybody use that? I'm not the only one. I'm like, what does that mean? Never understood it. I found out it's a, it's a paraphrase or a terrible translation of a German phrase. In German, Ali, Ali, Ach, San, Frey stands for everybody, everybody, all are free. Jesus is calling your name today. Ali, Ali, Oxan, Frey. You're free. You've already been paid. So confess it and address it and profess it to the world because freedom is available for everyone. When you pray the prayer, forgive me. Friends, I know this is a dangerous prayer today. It's dangerous because it requires you to forgive. But it's more dangerous not to pray. Because it leaves the pride in your life. Monty's going to come up and sing a song and we're going to take communion together. I want to encourage you during your communion time to take your sheet of paper, write on it what you need forgiven for, put it in the wall in the back. This is anonymous, but it gives you a chance to confess it. And if there's a person in your life that needs to be forgiven, today's the day to do that. And maybe you're that person. Maybe it's time to come home, to turn back to him, to let him wash you clean. He's ready. So you can take the emblems right now that you have. I'm going to give you a quiet moment. While they sing a song, I want you to take time with the Lord to receive the body and blood of Christ and to confess to him whatever you need forgiven, to address it in your life, and then prepare to forgive every person around you for whatever they've done to you. Make this a holy moment with Jesus as you do.
I've carried a burden too long already. I wasn't created to bury confess, to address, and to tell the world, he's the forgiver. And every time you pray, forgive me, you remember that he's already done it for you. God bless you for being here. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.